Alrighty. Welcome back. Hello. So now, um, as per usual, in part two of this episode, we're going to break into other films, um, High Merit, that came out in 1999. There's so many of them, we kind of had to narrow it down. We're going to mention some others that um, were pretty big that year that we either saw or didn't. We've got a pretty sizable list of movies that um, were not in that Best Picture lineup. Some of them maybe should have been. Alrighty, so we're going to start off once again going alphabetically with a movie that received a nomination for Best Director for Spike Jones, in addition to Best Supporting Actress for Katherine Keener and Best Original Screenplay being John Malkovich. You guys, what like a really good movie. I say that for like a lot of things, but what a really, really just fucking good movie. I would agree. Like, it's quirky. It's super duper quirky. It's meta as hell. And I don't know. It's just like something that I love watching over and over again. I didn't get to see it this time. Just I ran out of time. But I've seen it enough times that I know what it's about. I mean, Malkovich, 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 Malkovich. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I also didn't get to watch it particularly for this episode. But I saw it, I want to say, two years ago. Um yeah, and really profound effect. Um, one of the more intriguing, interesting films I've ever seen. Nothing quite like it. Honestly, nothing. Which is typical for Spike Jones. I mean, that's nothing new. If you think about her. Um, where the wild things are. Yeah, where the wild things are. Yeah. Very unique filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Very futuristic. Like I said, very meta. I mean, John Malkovich is playing john malkovich in a story where people get into his head and the world around them becomes john malkovich yeah and remind me um main actor in this is john cusack Mm -hmm. um is it his workplace he finds this like tunnel he finds this Um, little he finds this little door behind a filing cabinet on like it's a half floor, so it's between one floor and another. So they all have to crunch down. Um, Octavia Spencer has a cameo as a person who helps him on the elevator. That's always interesting. Um, but no, he finds this tunnel one day, and he goes into it, and suddenly he is in the head of John Malkovich, the actor. He shares this information with Catherine Keener, his coworker, and they more or less capitalize on it. They charge people to get into John Malkovich's head. And then John Malkovich himself discovers this and he wants no part of this anymore. Stuff happens from there. Yeah. Uh, pretty, yeah, pretty um, out there movie, but really very funny. Um, it's a thinker. It makes you think. And I remember they're like such a, odd but perfect ending for the type of movie that it is yeah the ending i mean this is like one i want everybody to see so i won't spoil it but it's it's almost heartbreaking and touching but again it has to do with getting into other people's minds it's very i think did am i wrong who wrote this um i believe uh yeah yeah charlie kaufman. charlie kaufman eternal mm-hmm. sunshine of the spotless mind again another movie about cerebral yeah anomalisa 
Yes. Uh, oh my gosh. See, these are like movies that make you think and they're good. Yeah. 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 Um, Catherine Keener being nominated for best supporting actress. Cameron Diaz was also in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and John Malkovich, unfortunately was not nominated for playing John Malkovich. Honestly, that would have been, been perfect. Yeah. He, he is. He's really funny and really, uh, great performance in this movie as well. That's being John Malkovich. Being John Malkovich, yeah. You can find it on Criterion. It deserves a Criterion. Oh, yes. It it is a very Criterion-esque movie. Okay, Christian, I'm going to let you take this one as well because everybody, go ahead and judge me. I haven't seen it. It was on my list. I didn't get to it. Christian, go ahead and take it away. I'm giving him a shocked face right now. I had no idea. I thought you seen this. It's the Blair Witch Project. No. Like, even though there's The Sixth Sense being a surprise box office hit, that's for the Best Picture nominees. But we want to talk about a surprise box office hit, The Blair Witch Project. A movie that came out of nowhere, made for 60 grand. I think it made over, like, 2,000, I, I wasn't a math major, 2,000 times its budget back. Mm. It crossed the $100 million mark. It is a found footage, it's like the granddaddy of found footage horror. Um, kids lost in the woods looking for the Blair Witch, and they get lost. Stuff happens. As I always say, stuff happens, but really, stuff happens in the woods because it's the dark woods. This was really a cultural landmark Everybody wanted to see it. Um, not everybody could because, I mean, it just didn't come to all theaters. However, at the beginning of the promotion of this movie, we have the thing called the Internet. Well, Sci-Fi Channel at the time aired a documentary called The Blair Witch Project where they gave a quote-unquote background to what The Blair Witch is. And then at the end of that documentary, which I'm pretty sure if you have a Blu-ray or DVD copy, it's on there, the documentary – they asked you to go to the website of the Blair Witch where then you could read the stories about these three teenagers who disappeared into the woods. And then you could also see this movie that was coming out in July of that year. And people did. And this is the MTV generation where like scary shit is really cool to watch. The internet's cool. Let's go see this movie. And everybody did. And it's one scary movie, especially if you watch it in the dark by yourself. Yeah, top 10 box office performer that year. Um, I Weren't there a lot of people who thought this was like a real, like they thought this actually happened? Yes, and I sort of did for a few years. <laughs> until recently. <laughs> well, and it's not like, I, I haven't seen the movie, but I mean, I've heard of it. I, I've seen the ending scene yeah. that a lot of people talk about. It It never is that out there right i mean it's all pretty focused on the three individuals and like we never see this supernatural being am i correct mm-hmm. i might i might say that this is one of the uh the best market marketing strategies for a film of all time because like i said you put it on sci-fi channel this documentary this fake documentary then you say go to the internet and then you say hey well there's a movie coming out. you should go see it and people yeah. don't know, people didn't know that these people were not like, they're just actors, but they're so convincing. And this movie is so convincing. And if you read even the fun facts on the making of it, 
it, they went through pretty much hell to make this movie, but they made it the most authentic they ever could. Yeah. I mean, look at it's, it's revolutionary. You know, you look at the paranormal activities, the Blair mm-hmm. Witch sequels, like it just, it, it created a new horror subgenre. Found uh, footage. Yeah, exactly. Love and them or so, hate them. Yeah. And they are what they are. And it, it, I don't know if there were some before this, maybe probably, I don't know, but this was like the big one. This was like you said, the grand, the grandparent of all found footage it's, films. It's the one that changed the game. Yeah. Mm. Nice. So, Brett, watch it. Okay. I, I will get to it at some point. I did watch the next movie. Kind of had to pretty not a big um, box office draw or anything like that, but a big film for this year at the Oscars. Boys don't cry based on the true story of Brandon Tina, who um, was a um, transgender man. um, And this took place in the nineties as well. If I remember Mm -hmm. right, early nineties in Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah. Um, played by Hilary Swank in the film, which I think at the time it was, I, I think it was so big just because you didn't see stories like this. Yeah. And you didn't see stories like this be awarded for telling those stories. Yeah. Even in her acceptance speech, which I watched today, she said that you wouldn't see this movie being made even eight years ago at the beginning of the nineties. Yeah. And it, it, it's controversial today in some sense, partially because of Hillary Swank um, mm-hmm. being, you know, playing lead character um, despite being a cis woman. Um, but the she does give too. Yeah. The violence. Also um, some of the liberties they took with the story. Like I know there was um, another person who um, was killed in the context of this story that mm-hmm. was not included in the film. And also uh, that um, Brandon Tina's girlfriend at the time, who's played by Chloe Sevigny, I don't think she really approved that much of certain elements of this movie. Right. So right. much so that she sort of lives now, not totally in isolation, but she doesn't really want to be associated with that aspect of Brandon Tina's life. Yeah, right. But it's, it's weird to think, because when I said just seconds ago that Hillary said that this probably wouldn't have been made in the early nineties. It's weird to think that this was probably made and supported and funded because of the death of Matthew Shepard. I believe he died in 96. This is 99. We're talking about stories like this stories that involve hate crimes against the LGBTQ plus community. They can be prominent now. They can be put out there and like Hillary Swain could, they can win awards. Yeah, exactly. And she is pretty phenomenal in this role, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I'm a big fan of hers as an actress, um, but really does, you know, um, really dive into that role and seems to be giving it everything she's got. And it's such a tragic story. I, this may be a spoiler. I don't know because this is based on a true story. I think it needs to be presented this way. It is a story of. Brandon Tina, um, basically the last what few weeks 
mm-hmm. maybe a month of his life and um ends in brandon tina's death um his murder and so it's a very the, the death scene in this film even though i saw it coming it it deeply affected me yeah um it's so shocking and it is not at least in my opinion it's not like romanticized it's not like brandon nope. tina has a moment where he's talking to chloe Sevigny's character and it's like I love you, blah, blah, blah. Like we see in so many death scenes, they're shot and killed. And right it's there. not just it's not just like right there and then because there is a graphic rape scene mm-hmm. that happens exactly. maybe like 20 minutes before it happens. So that last 20, 30 minutes of that movie, it's very brutal. It, I mean, it's not going to hold back on what happens because you shouldn't hold back on a story like this. Yeah where somebody f- is murdered for just being who they are. Right. I say they're shot and killed because it's before Brandon is killed. We also see this young mother killed um, a friend of Chloe's, Chloe Sevigny's character and a friend of really the murders as well. These are people that Brandon knew. Um, lived, even lived with too. Yeah. Lived with. And it's, it's so shocking um, and really quite heartbreaking. It was directed by Kimberly Pierce. Um, and really it does have that indie feeling to it. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like very, I'm watching an indie movie, which, which is a good thing. Yeah, very much so. But also I, part of this took place where I was born in Fall city, Nebraska. I lived there for the first year of my life, so I don't know anything about it, but I don't want to visit now. So He's a little Nebraskan, babe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but Brandon and Tina's death, um, their murder occurred in 1993. That's when he was, um, his life was fairly ended on December 31st of that year. So This was also nominated for Supporting Actress for yes. Chloe Sevigny. And I think that's it. Yeah, just those two. And she was, she's great as well. So... I would say deserving of that nomination. Next film. Cool. All right. We mentioned earlier the death of Stanley Kubrick this year. His final film, I would say, is looked on in a pretty acclaimed fashion today, um, but did not receive any nominations. Eyes Wide Shut. And, and I didn't get to watch it this time. I have seen it. It's a very interesting movie. Yeah, I, I think I read kind of a passion project that he wanted to do for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it stars Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. I watched it for the first time here. Yeah, it's basically... this. It, the setup is a little strange. This man basically finds out that... Tom Cruise finds out that Nicole Kidman almost cheated on him. Um way back when they were like about to be married or newlyweds or something like that. He's a doctor. They live in this really nice apartment. Um, have a daughter. And as a result, he's just like conflicted with this new knowledge. And so he kind of goes on this sexual odyssey this night and it takes some unexpected directions. It's very Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the way it's shot. Yeah. Um, the funny, I mean, I 
don't really want to talk on this myself because I haven't seen it in a long, long time. I don't think I understood it at the time. But I will say the funniest fun fact I know of this is it's pretty much a letter to Stanley Kubrick, from Stanley Kubrick to Nicole Kidman about, hey, maybe you should divorce this Tom Cruise guy. He ain't good for you. <laughs> Do you know this story? No, like not. Yeah, supposedly, not I mean, thank you for film Twitter for like pointing this out, but Eyes Wide Shut is pretty much Stanley Kubrick saying to Nicole Kidman, hey, maybe this guy is a scumbag. You don't need to be with him anymore. Because sure enough, they get divorced a year later. There you go. Yeah, so. Yeah, and they're they're both really good in this film. Tom Cruise, not as definitely not as good as his role in Magnolia, which mm-hmm. we'll come to in, in just a few. Yeah, very Stanley Kubrick. Um, well known for the orgy scene. I said sexual odyssey. Wasn't kidding. Um, <laughs> Yikes. There's a huge orgy scene. Um and not, I thought it was going to like end there and that was going to be near the end. There's actually quite a bit that happens after that. But his reckoning with it, and it kind of turns into this like pseudo thriller to where we think that because he went to this super secret orgy, his life is in danger. And all of a sudden we kind of find out, no, we're just a bunch of rich people who want to have all this sex with each other. And we just don't want anybody to find out. They aren't all wear we, masks. Aren't we all in danger after the orgy? Oh my gosh. <laughs> It, it's it, it's strange. I it is. I'm not even sure I know what it's about. To be honest, um, I, I wish like the, it was on Netflix because I would have watched it. Yeah, it, it's another long one, and I I, I did fill the length in this one, mm-hmm. um, but I did enjoy it because once again, it made me think, um, made me think about what it was trying to say. The very last scene is just like great. Um, I'm not going to reveal it here. Um, but it's, it's worth a watch at least, you know, just to add your Stanley Kubrick filmography, um, cause this style is very present. I don't think it's up there with like 2001, obviously, or, um, the shining or Dr. Strange love. I would put it above Barry Lyndon though. So there's that. Yeah. Hmm. Plot twist. The next movie. I want you to start with this one. I want to hear your thoughts oh, on this boy. one because I know your opinion. <laughs> Every bro's cult classic favorite. It's Fight Club, you guys. And the first rule about Fight Club is we don't talk about Fight Club. So the next movie, no, okay. <laughs> that was perfect, though. Thank you. That was great. Um, I'm not like a huge fan of Fight Club. I don't know why. I think I'm watching it too much as if I'm being forced to like it. Mm. I've seen it a few times, but every time I have watched it, it, it was because I think that the person on the other end of things really wanted me to like it. Ah, uh, there you go. And I don't know. I think it's because I try too hard to understand it. It's not that hard to understand, but I try too hard to look for like the little things, like the little flashes of Brad Pitt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you're well pros in this movie, you know that Brad Pitt, like, little flashes of him flash by, leading to, like, how we understand the ending. I think I try too hard to look at things on the surface level, and I try to look too, too deep. We're not, like, you know, I try to look at, I, this movie's just fucking confusing for me. 
Let's just put it for that. And it shouldn't be because it's not that hard of a movie to understand. Yeah, and I, I get what you're saying because I feel like this is one of those movies where there are people who will call you out if you don't like it. And I have been called out many a time. Yeah, and I, I do enjoy this movie quite a bit. I don't. I wouldn't say it's like a classic, like it's so often touted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's thought provoking, and I think it's very visually striking and really um, an interesting watch. It's a tough watch. It's it's expect expectedly violent. Um, it is Fight Club. It is Fight Club. Yeah. I guess the thing that I, the perception of it that I don't always enjoy is that like, I think there are those people that watch this film and think it's like glorifying violence. And maybe it is on a deeper level. I I don't think that's the point of the film though. Mm -hmm. I think it's not necessarily a cautionary tale by any means, but I don't think we're meant to watch these fight clubs and be like, Oh yeah. Hell yeah, man. Like this is not (laughs) like, I think it, it, it is brutal because this is not a good thing that's happening. Could you also see it on like a, a satire version of masculinity too? Couldn't you? Yeah. 100%. That's, that's like what I've heard from like people who actually know this movie. Well, yeah, that's the way I look at it. Is it like, it's like looking at these violent issues of masculinity um, in a very strange and intriguing way. I'm going to dive into the plot just for a little bit for those who haven't seen it. Um, Edward Norton is the main star of this film, the main actor. Um, He's kind of hit rock bottom. He hates his job. He's an insomniac. Um, He actually goes to like group therapy meetings, even though he doesn't have any of the conditions that he's going for. Mm -hmm. Um, Isn't it? It's for cancer. Yes. Um, testicular cancer yeah that much i do remember (laughs) yeah but like he starts going to more and more groups like he'll go to aa meetings and like other meetings um with people having various conditions and illnesses that's how he meets helena bonham carter's character but anyway he eventually meets tyler durden this soap maker on a plane who's this very interesting guy they come up with this idea to hold these fight clubs and then just builds and builds into what's called project mayhem which is basically an anarchist terrorist organization of all these white men. (laughs) And so the ending is pretty, the ending has a twist. I wouldn't say quite on the level of the sixth sense, but it's up there in famous plot twists. Um, Again, I still don't really get it, but that's just me. (laughs) Yeah. And I, there's a lot to pick out there. It's directed by David Fincher, so we should probably expect that. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of his really big early films, definitely not the first one he directed, but one that kind of really shot him, I think, into more of the public consciousness and whatnot. And it's really a cult classic, technically, nowadays. Yeah, it wasn't a huge box office hit. Didn't get any um, Oscar nominations. Um, So, yeah. Hmm. That's Fight Club. We talked about it, so we talked about it. We're doomed. Brett's gonna get beat up. <laughs> Alrighty. The next movie. Yes, this one did have one Oscar nomination for which it won supporting actress for Angelina Jolie. 
girl interrupted. Girl, girl, I just had to quote Angelina. I just super love my brother right now. Oh my gosh. Her Oscar everybody in the audience, wait, what? What did she just say? <laughs> her Oscar speech is so awkward. It and I, I get like showing appreciation love for your brother, but the way she frames it actually led to some people thinking that her and her brother were having <laughs> an affair. Yeah. Ooh, uh yeah, not is it's an awkward speech. It really is. Angelina Angelina back in the day. Anyway. This film is directed by, of all people, James Mangold, which I didn't realize that until I watched it again, of uh, Logan and Walk the Line also. And it's about a girl, Winona Ryder, who finds herself in like a mental facility back in the 60s. -hmm. And it's just really her life there for a few months and her interaction with everybody in it. Much like Cuckoo's Nest, um... Angelina is sort of the troublemaker of the group, really troublemaker. She defies authority. She runs away a few times. Whoopi is our nurse ratchet, but she's a lot more sympathetic. She's nice, but she's no nonsense, of course. And I like it. It's a good movie. It's really much of a diary of a girl in this mental institution. I have no issue with it. I think Angelina is a good win. Yeah, I... I was really, and I watched this mostly to see Angelina's performance. I was surprised by it. Um, mm-hmm. She, you know, she she's definitely talented, but she's not. I I I just I've never thought of her as this like great actress. With you know, I've seen her in Mr. and Mrs. Smith and like movies like that. Action and, movies. Yeah, and you know, I never saw the old Tomb Raider movies, but that's where I first heard of her. Um, she does come from a family of actors, so there's that. Yes, she she makes up the second pair of um, father daughter pairings to win acting Oscars after um, Henry Fonda and Jane Fonda. So that's kind of a cool little piece of trivia from this year. But yeah, this you you mentioned one flew over the cuckoo's nest. That this did it made me think of it throughout. Um, but with Honestly, women. Yeah, women, mostly adolescent women. Mm-hmm. Really a stars in the making type cast. You've got Elizabeth Moss in there. Um Whoopi Goldberg, you know, who is already a star by this time. I but, would say Angelina is sort of an up and coming too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Winona Ryder, she I mean, she has been around at this point. But right. she sort of she really helmed this movie because I believe she also purchased the rights and like co-produced it too because she really wanted this made. Yeah, and this is based on a memoir. I'm not sure if we mentioned that or not. So it is a true story. Um, you've also got Brittany Murphy in a really heartbreaking role. Mm-hmm. Um, Jared Leto, early Jared Leto. Oh my gosh, I forgot he's in this. Yeah, yeah, and Jeffrey Tambor as well. Throw in Vanessa Redgrave for another veteran actor. You got you got a nice mix here um, yeah. with veterans and up and comers. It's definitely a more calming and more heartbreaking version of Cuckoo's Nest, I must say. Yeah, it's not sure. as good as Cuckoo's Nest, but it's good. It's pleasant. It's one of those Oscar type bait things. Yeah, and this another death scene in this one that really hit me. I'm gonna show that. I'm not gonna reveal who it is, but. Um, definitely 
content warning on this one, you mm -hmm. know, um, mental illness, um, you know, suicide and whatnot, addiction. It's all there, but it also has its really light moments. Um, we get to see the women of this facility kind of coming together in a sense. And yeah, great performances. Angelina Jolie wouldn't be my pick for best supporting actress, but I think it's a good win. I think she's a really good job. Sorry, Angie. Yeah, yeah. Did good. Really good. Next movie? Yes. Actually, I want to interrupt us real quick. This is an I, interruption. I can't believe we did this, but as forming this list, we left one off in the A section. One of the best movies released this year, Pedro Almodovar's all about my mother. <gasps> we could have just skipped to the tease and did the Spanish version of it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But for the gringos out there, all about my mother. Again, who directed it? Uh, yeah, I butchered the name. Pedro yes, Almodovar. 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 Thank you. Yes. Anyway, this, yeah, this is one of my favorite movies. I think it's one of my favorite foreign movies ever. It's from Spain. Um, the plot's pretty simple. The woman's son dies all about my mother. She goes off to her own hometown. She meets up with some of her old friends. One who's like a drag queen, uh, Penelope Cruz, who's a nun, who, who's also pregnant, who also has AIDS. And then at the same time, she's meeting and befriending this actress who her son had gone running off after in a rainstorm and tragically died whilst doing so. She has no like animosity towards this actress. She just really wants to get close to her because it's something that her son had always wanted to do. And it's really just this woman's life, you know, after tragedy. It's such a good movie. It's so good. It there, There's just something about films made outside of the United States that just do so well with the characters. And bring in these really unbelievable stories out of the most original circumstances. And um, the main character in this um, is she is like, she brings people together without even trying. She lifts everybody up in a sense. Mm -hmm. Everybody takes something away from their relationship with her. Um, she's played by Cecilia Roth and she is magnificent. She's actually one of my personal nominees of this year. Yeah, I would include her 100%. Yeah. Uh, but this did win Best Foreign Language Film that year. Um, so Pen it did walk away with some hardware. Penelope Cruz presented that award, and she's in the movie. And if you ever watch this, she's like so ecstatic for Pedro. Because all she says is, and the Oscar goes to, she reads it, Pedro! <laughs> Yeah, That's I did it. watch that one. Much like, great. much like the previous year with Roberto Benini, also Fia Lorenz, it was Roberto. Ah, uh, yep, yep. It's like when you have friends, they're just going to say your name. <laughs> it's like, uh, and that's always so great. I saw it with, uh, I think Sandra Bullock was presenting Best Cinematography one year, and she just said, Chivo, or something like that. When Emmanuel yes. Lebesky won one of his, um, 
he didn't say his name, but this year Samuel L. Jackson presenting Spike Lee's Oscar. Yes, he went crazy. Yeah, I love when that happens. And this was one of the best cases of that. But yeah, it, it is really about these relationships, how they form out of unexpected circumstances and go mm -hmm. in directions that nobody expects they will. And by the end, it, it's it's a it's an emotional movie. And it's, there's definitely a lot of sorrow there, but there's a lot of hope in the end, I think. Um, and most of the characters are better off than where they started. Not everybody. Mm -hmm. you know, Some aren't even around anymore. Oh. Rest in peace. But it, it is a, it's a really touching movie, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. Mm -hmm. Good. And a shout-out to Zay, because I asked them, which movie do you want to be shouted out at? And it was this one. So, hey, there we go. Perfect. That and Stuart Little, but we didn't get to Stuart Little. So Stuart Little. <laughs> There's our Stuart Little. There you <sighs> go. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Aww. Anyway. But the next one, you know, we are um Stuart little kind of a family film jumping to another family film that i think works really well for adults you and i both love this one as well i cried the iron giant superman superman vin diesel oh he's really good in it i mean his voice already sounds like he has gravel in it but <laughs> so it i mean it works here i mean he really nails the voice rolls between this and groot it's you know, yeah, he's good at it. He's got that deep voice. This movie is so simple. I mean, if you haven't seen it, where you been? But uh, like a spaceman, an iron giant, if you will, falls from space into this small town in Maine. And much like E.T., he befriends a young boy. And they got to you know, hide out from the government. That's it. That's pretty much it. It's like a boyhood fantasy story directed by Brad Bird, who went on to do Incredibles, Ratatouille, mm -hmm. um, one of the Mission Impossible movies. I cried during this. I remember vividly going to the theaters to see this. I loved it then. I watched it Saturday. I loved it then. I did not see it in the theater, but I remember seeing all the previews for it, and it was one that I think my parents got for me like right when it came out on VHS. Oh. And I ate it up. And I forgot just how good it is. I It's so good. It's it, it's stellar. It's spectacular. And it's um, sweet the Annie Awards that year. Yeah, and, and I mean this is a time we're still 2 years away from having a best animated film category. Mhm. Mm I think we'll see as we go along and The Iron Giant is right near the top of this list. I'm struggling to think of a better year for animated movies than this year. I know because many people thought that Disney was making too many movies to have a category like that. But even I told you a few days ago, if you look at this, we, there are five animated features. I mean, two or three are from Disney, mm -hmm. but they're all so good movies. Yeah. It, it would be a completely loaded category. Yeah. And I mean, I know what our sort of personal favorites are, but, I mean, the Iron Giant is something else. And it's still hand-drawn animation. Yeah, and really well done. I will say, um, I don't know if you mentioned it, this is set in the 1950s. Mm -hmm. And so there is that, it's 
there's that like kind of nuclear fear, the cold, um, the cold war, you know, atomic fear going on here. And that's part of the reason the government is so fearful of this gentle giant. Um, because he is a war machine. That's his intent. Uh, but there's so much more to him. There's an emotional level. It's so sweet. The ending is, it, it does. It brings a tear to the eye, you know, and really it's one of those, like, I think a lot about it now because, you know, I just saw the third, how to train your dragon movie. Oh, it's in that vein of like a, a kid and his pet basically, you know, I don't think, I don't think any, okay. I think there's like maybe three live action movies that have ever made me cry. It's all the animated movies that make me cry. It is. It really is. Like they know how to draw emotion out of me and the iron giant just did it. Yeah. yeah. Um, pretty good voice cast here. Jennifer Aniston. Uh, we mentioned Vin Diesel, Harry Connick Jr. is in this. Christopher McDonald plays the villain in this film. Yeah, it's it's a short, less than 90 minutes, but it really, it's fun, it's enjoyable, and it packs a punch, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we're going to go even deeper. Oh, boy. Into the biblical sense, if you shall. Yes. It's, mag- it's Magnolia. Oh my gosh. Directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Much in the vein, I will say, of, of Robert Altman in terms of a big, big cast. Everybody having their own plot lines. It's really, I mean, I, I, it's hard to describe because there are a lot of people in this. So let's just say it's about life. Life and death and everything in between. Which feels like it's been done before, but this movie blew me away and i i did not expect to like this i'm not gonna lie paul thomas anderson is literally hit or miss for me Mm -hmm. um, with his movies um and there's still a lot that i haven't seen but what from what i have it's very hit or miss this is three hours and eight minutes long i'm like oh my gosh here we go (laughs) i loved it i thought it flew by yeah i thought it said a lot about parentage and parental relationships Mm mm-hmm Cause that's one of the common themes throughout all of the people in this film, you know, their relationships with, um, and usually a father, usually a father figure. Um, and it's all kind of ground. I know he annoyed you, but it's all kind of grounded by, um, Oh, John C. Riley's character. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like, is this guy going to like leave these people alone? He would go into everybody's houses and just like stay a little bit too longer than he should. Yeah. He that's, does. Not like a, that's not like a major plot point, but whatever it got to me. I felt this was long only because I was in a rush. I was actually meeting Brett for another movie, but I've seen this many times. Um, it's not really that hard to watch at all. Like you said, it goes by pretty yeah. fast. And each and every one of the characters is super interesting. Like, even if they're like sort of sleazy, like Tom Cruise's character, you can't help but like actually like them in some points. Yeah. And like sort of feel for them. And Julianne Moore, my best friend, she she has like that moment in the pharmacy 
where she's like, you don't know what I feel. There's sickness all around me. How dare you? And it's like, girl, go off. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned Tom Cruise had a nomination for this. He was the only actor nominated. And he he surprised me. One, because you see his character first, and he's like this, um, he's this, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's like a, he's, he has something to do with sex, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he promotes, he tries to sell this like f- sex class that he teaches, I guess. Yeah. And this TV personality type he's, guy. He's sort of like wild and energetic and he has to calm himself down before his big interview. And then the interview starts asking really deep and personal questions that, I mean, much like the Scientologist that he is today, he doesn't really want to answer. But at the same time, her questions sort of wake him up to remember who he really is. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he's wild. He's out there. He's patronizing misogynist. And, but like, you once again, you find this deeper level to him that part of you just can't help but sympathize with a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's all about something was done to them as children or happening to children now that's in a way abusive by their fathers. Um, and that's all how they're kind of interconnected. And then it all kind of comes together in the end in this really bizarre ending that I just, I loved. The frogs. Um, the frogs. So biblical. Yeah, the frogs. Raining frogs coming from the sky. It sort of brings everybody together, too. Yeah, yeah. And they, they get out. They see the day ahead of them. Yeah. Um, you know, William H., William H. Macy's character joins up with John C. Riley's to kind of... You know, John C. Riley is in some ways this, like, moral center. You know, mm-hmm. for everything. And so... You mean the criminal known as William H. Macy... Yeah. He's an interesting guy in this. Um, once again, great cast. Mission Julian Moore, Tom Cruise, William H. Macy, John C. Riley, um, Jason Robards, and what I believe was his final film. Yep. Um Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Baker Hall. Yes. Patton Oswalt. Yeah, very briefly. Yeah. And they all they all just work so well together. You can and really see the you can really see the Altman coming out in uh, Paul Thomas Anderson in this one. One hundred percent. Like 100%. it's real. I mean, they both know how to work with a big ensemble. Yeah. Um, this was nominated, like we said, best supporting actor for Tom Cruise. It also re- received his nomination for best original screenplay. And best original song, Amy Mann's Save Me. Which, um, there's also that fun moment where the entire cast, like, at Custation, and they're all singing this song. That's another just fun PTA moment that I just couldn't help but enjoy. It's like an out there moment, but it works. Yeah, exactly. I would like, I would like the ending of this, too. Oh, I yeah. Mean, not, the, not the ending. I mean, the ending's good. But the the very beginning of this... Mm, mm. talking just about like chance happenings you know yeah that it immediately hooked me i'm like yeah. oh my god where is, where is he gonna go from here like the scuba the scuba diver gets taken by the airplane and dropped in a tree a man falls from a balcony but gets shot on yeah. his way down 
Yep. Like that's what hooked me when I first saw it. Yeah. Um, if anything, if I had a major critique, I would say it gets a bit melodramatic maybe. Yeah. Um, but I, it didn't really bother me in that regard. Cool. Anything else? That's it. Moving on. All righty. So this one, I had the opposite effect on me. I thought I was going to like it a lot more than I did. This is a big cultural thing, too. Big pop culture. It's the Matrix. Yeah. Now, the Matrix came along and sort of changed the face of uh, special effects, really, action movies. We talked briefly about Columbine in the Matrix. Mm -hmm. I don't think it really had anything to do with it at all. But, I mean, just the massive popularity of this and then it spawned two sequels and an animated flick. I love it. I think it's one of the great science fiction action flicks out there from the Wachowski siblings. And then we have somebody called Brett who thought it was all right. It's a good movie. And like I said, it, it got four wins. Editing, sound, sound editing, visual effects. I think it deserves three of those. Um, I would have given editing differently, but it's still a fine win. Those were actually surprise wins, too, because many people thought Star Wars was going to win. Oh, yeah. That one Star Wars movie came out this year, which we'll get to. But Star Wars had the every upper hand. It's Star Wars, for heaven's sakes. And then the Matrix comes out. Yeah. Um, the Wachowski siblings directed it. Um, you know, this was kind of. Was this their first film? I think they made Bound first. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, I guess my thing with it was that I've, I've just waited too long to see it. Probably is probably my own fault. I expect so much. And like, it's, I wanted, I guess I was expecting to get so much more out of it. So much thought provoking material out of it. Whereas I just kind of took it as it was mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, like I get what they're saying here. And I may, I may have just missed something also. Maybe have I need to see the other two. Have so. you, I was going to say, have you seen the sequels? I have not. So the next one, uh, reloaded is the best one. Really? Okay. Yeah. It's, I mean, watch the matrix in terms of world building and more so of what is the quest of these people. Mm -hmm. Watch it like that. Then watch the second one as more of an epic. And then the third one, though it is not the best, it's very disappointing. It's, I mean, it's a conclusion. It's fine. But it's the second one where it's at. The Matrix is good for world building. Yeah, and that's... I think I enjoyed, like, the first... It's a little over two hours long. I really enjoy the first hour. I was into it. The second hour or so, you know, maybe the last 45 minutes felt a little bit too much like a straightforward action movie to me, I guess. And so did you like at least the special effects where they're going backwards? Oh yeah. Yeah. This, the special effects are great. I mean, it's, it's, it is technically, you know, pretty marvelous. Did you stay in the real world or did you go down the rabbit hole? I mean, if I could fly like Keanu, of course I took the rabbit no <laughs> good question i don't know what i do i do <laughs> yeah 
I don't know. I, I'm probably I'm so curious that I would probably be stubborn as hell and take the rabbit hole. As you should. But anyway, and again, Lawrence Fishburne. Really awesome in this role, too. So. Yeah. And I will say any action film with Keanu Reeves, I'm always down to watch it. And so and, and to think Will Smith turned the role of Neo down for a movie called Wild Wild West. Mm. As Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman says, big mistake. Yes. <laughs> Would agree. I mean, that's the Matrix. Really a pop culture phenomenon. And yeah, and once again, a huge box office hit as well. Number five on that year. So. Okay. Next one, I am really excited to talk about this one. Another wonderful animated movie, South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. I actually didn't think you were going to watch this, but you surprised me. Oh, of course, of course. I mean, I don't watch South Park at all. I've seen a little bit of episodes. They're funny for what I've seen, but this movie is like... Even if you hadn't watched the show, it's great. And yeah. it's so weird how it's like it keeps the South Park vulgarity and all the themes and the characters, but its message, its message is so perfect to today. Oh, man. It's like find the one foreign country that's close by and let's blame them for all the shit we have. <laughs> I, and also like to take on censorship. Yeah. Because... You know, the, the plot of film is like their favorite TV show. Um, uh, gosh, dang it. It's slipping my mind. Terrence and Philip. Terrence and Philip. From Canada. And from Canada. They have this movie. It's super vulgar, as can be expected. The kids learn all these new curse words, what they can say because they're in a movie and it's R rated, almost NC 17. They had to, you know, I don't they even know. Cut if down. They had to cut down on the fucks. Yeah. They also had a cut down on the title. The title was a little bit more vulgar than this, but they somehow were able to get away with it because the ratings people didn't understand the title. So that's why it's nice. bigger, longer, and uncut. But yeah, it's like the parents of South Park, Colorado, all blame Terrence and Philip. They try to capture them, sentence them to death, kill them, blah, blah, blah. Go to war with Canada. Go to war with Canada. Satan. And Saddam Hussein, who are lovers, come into the fold somehow. It's it's exactly what you want from a South Park movie. I don't watch the show a whole lot either. I've seen and and it's a musical. Yes, and the songs are so good. And and it was Oscar nominated for best original song. And that song was "Blame Canada." Blame Canada. Oh my gosh. And I, I just really wish the Oscar voters would have just pulled a fast one on the ceremony and nominated the Terrence and Phillips song that is just completely full of expletives. Oh my god! I mean, I could sing here, but my my virgin mouth. <laughs> it's hilarious, and they they do they hold all the pieces of the show, at least from the episodes I've seen, including Kenny's death scene midway through. That's mm -hmm. not a spoiler if you've seen the show. Um, but also make it, like they say, bigger, longer, 
uncut they they take that seriously yeah so. i mean when i first saw this it was between classes at my community college and i had time and i had to contain my laughter because i didn't want people to hear me laugh so hard and it's so and i did not realize that it was going to be a musical but every little song works yeah it does and it, it's it's edgy like you expect it to be it's south yeah Park. they don't care if they're going to offend. Um, but that leads to some pretty interesting commentary as well. Yeah. I mean, this is my favorite line from Blame Canada, I must say. Again, find the country that's nearest to us and blame them for all our shit. It's blame Canada, shame on Canada, for the smut we must stop, the trash we must smash, the laughter and fun must all be undone. We must blame them and cause a fuss before someone thinks of blaming us. <laughs> it's because genius. That's literally how America works. <laughs> and it's great because um, Trey Stone and Matt Parker, I believe one or not both of them is actually from Colorado, somewhere up there. Mm. And they, they, they created a cultural phenomenon. This movie, you know, South Park when it premiered was a hit for Comedy Central. I expected this movie to like create a huge ratings bump for it, but ratings actually declined as normal when this movie came out. I think too that I've read that they really wanted to end the show right after this movie. <laughs> Which is hilarious now. They're on what season 20 now? Yeah. So. Well, and mostly because it took them so long to make one single episode. Yeah, right. So, much like how when the SpongeBob movie came out, that was supposed to be the finale, but never works that way. No. If you got a hit, you got a hit. Yeah. If you have something, why change it? And it's just it's it's so interesting how well this typically works taking an animated series into a movie. You've got this, you've got SpongeBob, you've got the Simpsons movie, which I think is hilarious. It's successful and it works, and the show continues afterwards. So okay. Anything else on South Park? No, it's good. It's oddly good. Alrighty. We're going to move on to our next film, The Talented Mr. Ripley. And this was another one that took me by surprise. It, I, what can I say? I loved it. I really did not know a thing about it going in. Mm. And it ended up being this 1950s set psychological thriller film. Yeah. And it, it's just, it's, it's wild. It's something else. There's a lot um, of elements going on to it. Yeah. And I'm honestly a bit, I don't know what it would have replaced, but I'm a bit surprised it did not get a best picture nomination. Mm -hmm. I imagine if it was not number six, it was probably number seven. Um, because it, it got five nominations, Jude Law for supporting actor Adapted screenplay, art direction, costume design, and original score. And I love the score in this one. But I think it was also, it did really well at Precursors too. Like showed up at the Globes. I think it won NPR for best movie. Uh, or sorry, not NPR. Um, National Board of Review, NBR. Uh, but the story of um, the, the talented Mr. Ripley himself, played by Matt Damon. Um, who 
basically continually goes through this identity crisis. He is recruited because this guy thinks he is a Princeton man to go after his son, Jude Law. And when things go bad, he basically takes on the identity of Jude Law's character and we learn has some, should I say, murderous instincts? Yeah. Um, but also is um, a queer character, you know? And so he sees his relationship with Jude Law's character as something more than what Jude Law sees. Mm-hmm. Um, ends, up, ends up does having a relationship, but again, that does not end well either. No. <laughs> and so you have... Gwyneth Paltrow in this as well. Philip Seymour Hoffman, who wonderful once again. Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett, yeah. And really, Matt Damon again. I think I might put in my best actor nominations because this is such an unexpected role for him, mm-hmm. kind of playing this. I don't want to say. Should I say nerdy character? At least that's how he appears, and sort of like yeah, it's nerdy, antisocial, really. Yeah, and so, you know, he's not the tough guy we're used to seeing, it seems like. And what can I say? It kind of blew me away. And so, Have you seen the original, the Purple Noon? I have not. I did not even realize this was a remake until after I watched it. Yeah, because I didn't get a chance again to see this, but I have seen it before. And when I did watch Purple Noon, which was way before this, and then I watched this, and it was like, this is another adaptation of the story also including purple noon i was like wait what really okay it's pretty much the same i don't remember if there's a queer element to it but i mean it's a french film purple noon is so why wouldn't there be because they don't care about censorship back in the 60s um also this is based on the novel by patricia highsmith who also made or who wrote uh carol right that's right and this has spawned many book sequels and many film sequels about Ripley still. He's very, how do I say? He's very talented. <laughs> nice. Thank you. But yeah, I, I I thought of it as I was watching and I was like, this seems like something that Alfred Hitchcock might do. Yes. You know? And because it, one, it's set in the 1950s. It has that feel, but it has that suspense narrative and these identity conflicts like this feels like a classic Hollywood movie made in 1999 games of cat, cat and mouse, right? People wanting to know other people's business when they shouldn't be murder. (laughs) And also the escapist locale. Um, they're in what Italy. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I love how that setting works in the narrative of the film. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're nearing our end here. The films that we would like to discuss. Then our next one here is a pretty big one. The wonderful part of one of the best trilogies ever made. Toy Story 2. You got a friend in me. But like a more jazzy version at the end of that. Yeah, I love it. Squeaky. I cannot believe I remember seeing this movie Thanksgiving Day or night 1999, and I cannot believe that I actually remember it because we sat like almost to the front, 
um, at a little theater back where I grew up, kind of Garden City, Kansas. It like had no incline, so you're all on the ground, you're looking up, and I was like, Toy Story, wow. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing it too. Uh, I remember being four years old, and the scene that really got me was Buzz fighting Buzz. Meta. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, what is going on? And our Buzz first round loses the fight, and I'm like, no. Come I on, just Buzz. remember like, the plane sequence when they have to get on the plane, and then they have to get off the plane. Yeah. And now when you're older, the saddest stuff ever is uh, when she loved me, that scene when Jesse gets left yeah and it's like wow this again what is it with animated movies making you cry because that's like one of the most that's one of the most saddest moments in an animated feature yeah it's it's not like so animated features are they gonna make you cry because they're sad are they gonna make you cry because it's a growing up thing or maybe just a really happy family moment that just brings you to tears yeah this one is sad. It's, it's just sad. <laughs> I mean, she just gets, I mean, and when you're a child too, it's kind of sad if you're thinking about it. Cause it's like, Oh, I just gave up this toy. Is it going to, is this toy going to be sad? I left it too. Yeah. Yeah. You think about that as a kid. And, um, that song, you know, nominated for best song. What a year for that category too. Yeah. Also dominated by animated features. Um, you mentioned Phil Collins earlier, uh, which won the award, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also a great song. Like it's hard for me to choose which one is my favorite, especially in the context of their films. But for me personally, Toy Story 2 is the least great of that trilogy, but it's still so amazing. It's one of my favorite animated movies. It's got this real nice conflict of Woody. Should he stay with Andy and grow, you know, you know, seed Andy leave off and be face that heartbreak? Or should he go into this museum and see kids every day as the prospector suggests? Yeah. But what does he want more? Does he want his friendship or does he want his fame? There you go. See toys think too. Yeah. It's so wonderful and sweet and really if you think about it in the cost of the whole trilogy i love woody has this line where like prospectors trying to get him to stay and he's like you're right i can't have andy forever but i wouldn't you know he's gonna grow up but i wouldn't miss that for the world mm-hmm. and then you see toy story 3 <laughs> where spoiler alert andy has to leave him behind and it all comes full circle and i ball like a baby when i God, does, he, does he really say that in part two i didn't watch part two because i'm waiting for four to marathon them all but dang yeah he says that and emotions <laughs> yeah and i i didn't even watch it for this either because i i remember it so well um, yeah it's wonderful it would be my pick for animated feature film of the year if they had that category. So I mean, and if they expanded this to 10, there's no doubt that it would get, you know, it would get in there. Yeah, it, it won the Golden Globe for best comedy or musical. Which animated features do not do that very often. They don't. They yeah, don't do it, and they don't even do it anymore because they have their own category. Right, exactly. That's saying something. Yeah, I think it would have gotten in with 10 noms for sure. Yeah. So, 
Also, I think it's one of the first Disney and or Pixar sequels. Theatrical, anyway. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Definitely the first Pixar. Yeah, and they had a lot of issues, too, with it because there was at one point where all the programs deleted the footage that they had. They had to go back, and it was going to be directed VHS, but then they're like, yeah, let's put it out there in theaters. And it worked. Thank goodness. Thank you. Yeah. Because now we get Toy Story 4 this year, and I can't wait. 100 days. Really? From the time we're recording this, yes. Oh, it's so close. Wow. My heart. Alrighty, that's Toy Story 3. Um, oh, 2. Oh my gosh, Toy Story 2. Sorry. Again, it had one nomination for Best Original Song. It was number three in the box office that year. Um, while we're here, do we want to dive into Star Wars? Yeah, might as well. I figure you've been mentioning it. It is a cultural phenomenon. It was the number one box office hit of that year. It was a cultural phenomenon in 1999, yes. It was the return of Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't it be? After what, um, 16 years? Yeah. The last yeah. one came out in 83. Yeah. So. So. But I do, again, remember seeing this. We were we got there late. Um. I missed the opening scroll, I think. I think it started right as, like, we got in there right as that ended. But I remember liking it, and yet when I watch it back now, it's like, you're telling me little five, four or five-year-old me like this movie about, like, politicalness in the galaxy? How the hell did I even understand that? Yeah. I think I saw it when I was, like, six, so it had been out for a couple years. It was... I'll admit it. It was the first Star Wars film I ever saw. Oh, I think it was mine too, though. Yeah. A lot of our generation, it probably was. Um, yeah. I just thought it was, I just thought it was cool. It was. Yeah. And it, it felt new to me and I like the characters. When you're a kid, Jar Jar is a very fun character. He is. And I wanted to be Anakin Skywalker in the pod race. Like, that see that pod race is lit. The final scene, duel of the fate scene with Darth Maul and Obi Wan and Liam Neeson, Wan. Qui Gon. Got his character. Yeah, sure. Liam Neeson, Wan. That scene is so. It, even today, it's like one of the best scenes in a Star Wars saga. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think it's a good movie anymore. Obviously, but I don't think it's the worst. Mm -mm. I, I would put Clone Wars after it. Um, it, it, yeah, it's not, I, it's not a good movie. There are some points where I'm like, what is this dialogue? What is this acting? What is this CGI? But it has its moments. Yeah, it really does. And so, yeah, definitely CGI. CGI has come a long way for that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Has an age well, but, but you can't deny I mean it. It's Star Wars. There's not that much to talk about. It's just how big it was. Yeah. You know? For sure. Okay. Any others that you wanted to talk about before we list some others that we either didn't get to or don't have time to dive into? I think that's it. Wait, let me check my list. 
Yeah. No, because oh, I do just want to briefly mention Fantasia 2000. Mm. Again, this had been another one that if there was an animated feature category, it would have been nominated. The direct sequel to Fantasia from 1940, it's a lot shorter. It's only 90, or no, it's less than 90 minutes. I think that Walt Disney would have been proud of it because I have been reading his biography about him and he wanted to update Fantasia every single year. That obviously did not happen. Wow. But yeah, and then in 99, Fantasia 2000 came around. It's great. The animation is a variety of it. It's fun, short. The music is great. There's a great Rhapsody in Blue um, moment in it. And yeah. And I, I, again, I remember seeing things. I saw this and on an actual like five foot story tall IMAX. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I made my parents drive because our nearest IMAX at the time was maybe 25 minutes away. I made my parents drive me there to see this. And it was like so cool. And like I watched it on my TV here and it's still cool. It's very beautifully done. But imagine it like on a real big IMAX. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but I remember the like commercials on the Disney VHS tapes and whatnot. And even as a, I remember even like growing up, like seeing the colors in it, mm -hmm. it was like, that's kind of cool, you know? Mm -hmm. So I need to get to it one of these days. Yeah. Um, for some mentions. What's that? Honorable mentions time. Yeah. Um, we'll just go through the list here. Um, feel free to jump in if you want to go over some things you put here election a funny movie yeah have you Top never seen it i haven't no it's so good oh. like alexander payne set in nebraska matthew broderick little reese witherspoon she's like this one girl who i knew in high school you don't like her but she's determined as hell to be president i forgot alexander payne directed it yeah. Oh my god, watch it. Anyway, go on. Election. Great stuff. Um Topsy Turvy. Have you seen it? I have actually. I have it's Mike Lee. It's Gilbert and Sullivan who wrote the famous Pirates of Penzance. It's costume drama. It's two and a half hours. It's a costume period drama. <laughs> I saw it had some Oscar noms, so I figured it was worth including. I think it won for costumes. Okay, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not really big on these types of movies, but there it is. Yeah. Um, the Hurricane, which you just watched today, and I have seen yeah. part of. Great Denzel performance. Great Denzel performance. Uh, um, he's the only nomination from that movie. Um, true story of a boxer who was sentenced to life in prison for murder, and the team that sort of helped him figure out that this case is bogus and he was up there in prison for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. And it, I'm kind of surprised he was its only nomination because it did pretty well at the Globes. Um, and he won best actor at the Globes. He beat Kevin Spacey. So yes. And like I told you earlier, I have friends who have opinions saying that Denzel should have won for this. He's good. He's fine. But Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sleepy Hollow. Have you seen it? 
No, I you're haven't. killing me, Smalls. I know. I haven't seen most of these. Wow. Oh my gosh. This is like the Christian hour. <laughs> Tim Burton, Sleepy Hollow. I mean, it's Sleepy Hollow, Headless Horseman. It's great. I grew up with it. I was always scared of it as a child. Oof. And yet I watched it all the time. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Man on the Moon with Jim Carrey. A lot of you people, know, I think, no, but I've heard a lot of people think that this is one he should have been nominated for. He should have, and I actually thought he was until I looked at this list, and he wasn't, so. This is like a moment where he is the character. He is Andy Kaufman. Aw. Yeah. Makes me sad. I love Jim Carrey. Uh, the Straight Story, which did receive a nomination for Best Actor. David Lynch movie. Don't worry, it's not like Blue Velvet or Mulholland Drive. You don't have to, you don't have to think about this movie. It's just a man on a tractor who drives from Iowa to Minnesota to see his brother. That's the movie. All right. Cool. And we, I mean, if you were a dedicated fan of this show and you heard Brett talk about the writer, it reminds me of that in the sense of you see America, Mm. you see America, a small slice of it through this tractor and this old man on this tractor. It's very quiet. There's very little dialogue because who is he going to talk to? (laughs) And yet I like love this movie. Richard Fon- Farnsworth? Farnsworth, yes. His one of his last features. Okay. Um, but no, it's it's one of David Lynch's most humble films. You don't have to think about it. Wow. And it's a deep and a Disney movie. Yeah. That's, That's so, so odd. Because when I watched it, it was like the Walt Disney Company logo, and I was like, oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> no good movie the straight story it's it's one of david lynch's least talked about movie oh yeah. uh one i know we've both seen tarzan uh the other really good great animated movie from that year um who was I, I just i loved tarzan growing up and clayton was so evil i was so glad <laughs> This is no another more. movie. This is another movie I remember seeing. Yeah. And this is only because we had like a zoo membership at the time. And like right after I saw this, I was like, Daddy, can we go see Africa? Because <sighs> our Kansas Zoo here has like an Africa section. Nice. So I was like, I want to see Tarzan. <laughs> and of course the great Phil Collins. Oh. See, there was one point recently where I was like, blame Canada should have won. But then I saw Tarzan on Saturday and I'm like, you'll be in my heart. (laughs) It's so, oh my gosh, it brings me to tears sometimes. And and it's the end of the Disney Renaissance films. Yeah. It's so interesting because they, I mean, what do they follow up with? The Emperor's New Groove, which I think is it's up there with the renaissance films yeah but it's nice to see them break away from tradition of like musical type movies and go with like a phil collins soundtrack and this one it's pretty mature it has its dark moments so it's very dark there's a lot it's the most deaths in a disney movie wow yeah okay that doesn't surprise me honestly um three kings the david o russell film which um, I've heard is really good. It is. Again, why have I seen all these? <laughs> Wait, I own this one too. 
Nice. I love David yeah. O. Russell, so I, I, I don't know why I didn't watch it. I guess I just ran out of time, but it's it's funny. It shouldn't be funny, but it is. It's about a bunch of just guys in uh Gulf War looking for gold. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's intriguing. I liked it. I haven't seen it in so long, but I remember it. Nice. Uh The Virgin Suicides from Sophia Coppola. Sophia. I was just thinking about this movie the other day. Yeah. Kirsten Dunst. Have you seen it? Oh my god. I mm, have. Yeah. <laughs> wow. This is the Christian show. But yes, I've seen it. It's good. It's sad. It's been a while. It's on Criteria now. So. Oh, that's right. It is. Good. And lastly, one that neither of us have seen. Audition. I put this one because it seems like a major, like, uh, I don't know edgy horror flick that i hear about a lot because i've heard so much about it so it's one that i'm keeping on my list for the future as well so folks if you have any reason why we should watch audition let us know yeah please do let us know on twitter okay now we've gone through i mean you can see 1999 this is the year in scope these were some of the big movies there are a lot that we even haven't gotten to um i think a great year and you know really top to bottom a lot of movies i really liked but now it's time to get into some of our personal nominations and wins and i don't know how deep you want to go with this i've got the big five um and the supporting actor awards where do you want to start you start first let's do let's do big five cool let's do big five and animated Oh, yeah, anime. Let's do that. Yeah, those are the good ones. Cool. Well, I'll start with Best Original Screenplay. I know you have nominations. I um, didn't pull mine out, to be honest. But if I was to pick Original Screenplay, the actual nominees were American Beauty, being John Malkovich, Magnolia, The Sixth Sense, and Topsy Turvy. It was won by American Beauty, and I would... I agree with that. Go American Beauty. I I won't say all my nominations because, but I do do nominations. Um, but I would actually go with the Sixth Sense. Nice, yeah, good pick. Yeah, I like that. Uh, best adapted screenplay the nominees here, um, and then we can you can throw out your nomination, even your winner, even if it wasn't nominated, of course. But the nominees here were the Cider House Rules, which won the award, Election, The Green Mile, The Insider, and The Talented Mr. Ripley. My personal pick on the year would have been the talented Mr. Ripley, which was nominated but did not win. I would have gone Green Mile. Green Mile. And that that is up there too, because to have a long movie like that and have a consistently great screenplay is really something too. Sorry, uh, Cider House. Yeah, sorry, Cider House. (laughs) That one upsets me. Not going to lie. Yeah. Uh, best supporting actor we have the nominees were Michael Caine, Tom Cruise, uh, Michael Caine for Cider House Rules, who won, Tom Cruise for Magnolia, Michael Clark Duncan for The Green Mile, Jude Law for The Talented Mr. Ripley, and Haley Joel Osma for The Sixth Sense. Again, very loaded. It's the toughest category for me to pick, but it's Haley Joel. Give it to the kid. <sighs> I'm so back and forth with this. 
I like one moment. I want to give it to Michael Clark, but for the past X many years, it's been Haley Joel. So I'll say Haley Joel. There we go. It's like, if you don't give it to him for leading, give it to him for supporting because he is that movie. He really is. Yeah. He rules. Okay. Best actor. Supporting um, actress. Oh, sorry. Supporting actress. My bad. Angelina Jolie, the winner for Girl Interrupted. Tony Collette for The Sixth Sense. Catherine Keener for being John Malkovich. Samantha Morton for Sweet and Lowdown, which we did not get to. And Chloe Sevigny for Boys Don't Cry. Angelina was great. I got to go with Tony Collette. This should have been her Oscar. I'm with you, Tony. But it is. And I'll, when I started this, I did not think I would pick two actor, actors from the Sixth Sense to win awards for up to me. But that's the way it there is. There can be miracles. Yes. Looky there. Okay. Uh, best actor: Kevin Spacey, the winner for American Beauty; Russell Crowe for The Insider. Richard Farnsworth for The Straight Story, Sean Penn for Sweet and Lowdown, Denzel Washington for The Hurricane. This category surprised me a little bit because usually it seems like Best Actor is pretty related to Best Picture because historically most films are dominated by men. Mm -hmm. um, but still a good category, and I think as much as it I don't like saying it. Kevin Spacey, if you judge by its merits, he, yeah, best actor. Yeah, the late Kevin Spacey for me, too. Yeah, Christopher Plummer it is. <laughs> anyway. Shot thrown. <laughs> Shot best thrown, shots fired. <laughs> best actress, which most of these movies we didn't get to. Um, I didn't see. Hilary Swank won for Boys Don't Cry. Annette Benning for American Beauty, Janet McTeer for Tumbleweeds, Julianne Moore for The End of the Affair. Oh, I've seen that one. I think that was fairly close to a Best Picture nom, too. I just forgot about it. And, of course, Meryl Streep, Music of the Heart. Oh, I've seen that one, too. There you go. So you got this category mostly covered. Who would you pick? Is it Even if it's someone that wasn't nominated, who's your pick? I actually would have voted for Annette Benning. Same. And I Her love. Yeah, I, I love Hillary Swank. I think she's great in Boys Don't Cry, but Annette Benning, I just. She wowed me. So close to that big five for American Beauty oh, that year. I know. So close. Okay, we'll move on to Best Director. Uh, the winner was Sam Mendes for American Beauty. Spike Jones was in there for being John Malkovich. He had Lassa Hallstrom. I just don't know if I'm saying it right. For the Cider House Rules. Michael Mann for The Insider. And M. Night Shyamalan for The Sixth Sense. Almost matched Best Picture. Who you got? I have M. Night. I almost picked M. Night. I went with someone who was not nominated. Paul Thomas Anderson. Ooh. For Magnolia. A plot twist. I just, he made some really bizarre and creative choices and I admired it. That's literally what I would say for M. Night Shyamalan. There you go. His was more creative and surreal choices that worked. Like, yeah. to fool us for that whole movie. 
Yeah. And both of them pretty well-known directors who still don't have Oscars. So, but, but, but which one has the chance? I would say probably PTA at this point. Yeah. So, okay. Before we get into best picture, let's go ahead and do best animated feature. So like I said, we would assume, I, what would you assume are the nominees? Let's go with that. Um, in non-alphabetical order, because I can't alphabetize in my head super fast. Tarzan, South Park, Bigger, Longer, Uncut, The Iron Giant, Fantasia 2000, and Toy Story 2. It's got to be Toy Story. Toy Story yeah. 2. I mean, I would also love a tie between Toy Story and Iron Giant, but Toy Story it is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if they gave it the special award to Toy Story, and then they see that Toy Story 2 is just as amazing as the first one. And that's only, what, three theatrical features in. Yeah. Toy Story Bugs Life, Toy Story 2. Like, Oscar. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Okay, Best Picture. The nominees were uh, the winner, American Beauty, The Cider House Rules, The Green Mile, The Insider, and The Sixth Sense. Now, in part one of this episode, we did go ahead and pick what we thought deserved Best Picture. We both said American Beauty. Now, I want to know what your five nominees would be and if your best picture pick would stay the same. Oh God. Oh God. Okay. My five nominees or however many you want to go with. If you want to go, okay, so you know me, I always have, t- I always have 10. Go for it. Okay. So my top 10, starting at number 10, Blair, Witch, straight story. Cause I really love that movie again, being John Malkovich, the matrix all about my mother, the iron giant, the green mile, the sixth sense, Toy Story 2, and the winner for 1999, American Beauty. Very nice. I like that a lot. Okay, I'm going to give my top 10 as well. Starting at number 10, I have South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Number 9, I have Fight Club. Number 8, I have The Sixth Sense. Number 7, I have The Green Mile, and these are where I consider these up and above to be great. Six is The Iron Giant, five, All About My Mother, four, The Talented Mr. Ripley, three, Magnolia, two, Toy Story 2, and number one, once again, the best picture, American Beauty. So we agreed on that. We agree. Agree. I'm still waiting for my chance to pick a film that was not the best picture winner. Maybe next time. I'm not giving away any spoilers to my thoughts. Dun, dun, dun. But this was great, as always. Yay. Again, um, tune in next time. Thanks for listening to this one. We will be covering 1939. You don't want to miss it. We'll have KB here with us. That should be out in um, a month or two. Be looking forward to it. There's a lot of movies for that year. Yeah, it's going to be great. We've already started watching, and I'm loving it. So Um, follow us, uh, Gilded Films, on Facebook. Twitter, Instagram. We have Letterbox now. We keep it updated with the movies we're watching as we prepare for these episodes. We write you little reviews see, on there. Yeah. You can all see lists there of all the films that we talk about in each episode. Um, and again, thank you for following. Thank you for listening. Be checking out Twitter in the future for polls and information on new episodes. And be sure to check out this episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, 
um, Anchor or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, friends. Thank you, and have a good night. Good night. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I was looking, watching all the others and thinking back when I, I saw the performances. And you, I was thinking of how the Academy changed the winner is to the Oscar goes to. And if ever there was a, a category where the Oscar goes to someone without there being a winner, it's this one, because I do not feel like being a winner.